Hello, folks. This is the Our Voice, Our Community. We want to thank you for being a part of the show wherever you are across America and across the world. Again, I'm your host, Murray Raleigh Jr. And we're here this morning for a special interview with Dr. Karen Dunstan, MD. She's going to be talking with us about COVID-19. And I'll tell you what, folks, with all the news and information that's coming out about COVID-19, now is a great opportunity for us to have someone explain to us what's going on with this virus, why there are so many fatalities, why are so many people being infected. And so Dr. Dunstan is going to help us out with this a little bit and explain some things to us in reference to COVID-19. We have a bunch of questions for her to we're going to ask her. She's going to give us uh, the answers to the questions. Also, we, we have a little bit of, of her background. We're going to share that with you in just a moment. Also, we want to bring you some news this morning from the state of South Carolina. Um, the governor has closed all non-essential businesses to help fight the spread of the coronavirus. As the cases rise, um, the governor is closing businesses in three categories for 15 days beginning on April 1st. That was yesterday. Um, entertainment, bowling alleys, nightclubs, arcades, concert halls, theaters, auditoriums, performing arts centers, tourist attractions, including museums, racetracks, indoor children play areas, including daycares. And oh my, uh, that this is, the daycare is going to affect a lot of folks. Adult entertainment venues, bingo halls, venues operated by social clubs, athletic facilities and activities, fitness centers and gyms and spas and public pools, spectator sports events that require shared sporting equipment and public ground equipment. And boy, I know the kids are hurting right now because the park is a place where the kids love to go to, especially with this beautiful weather we're having here. I know the kids are trapped inside. I, I can understand how they feel at this moment. Um, close contact service providers like barbershops, hair salons, waxing salons, nail salons, spas, um, body art facilities, tattoo parlors, tanning salons, massage therapy, this virus is spreading and still growing, McMaster said. We have to do everything we can, but not to go too far and destroy the businesses and jobs uh, people are depending on. And other and, and all, all other businesses, unless closed by the orders, remain open. And that would be the essentials, like the Walmarts and jobs. Um, these are essentials in, in the state of South Carolina. Um, McMaster said businesses that are sure if they fall into the non-essential categories to contact the South Carolina um, Chamber of Commerce. Um, those businesses can remain open until they hear from officials, which should happen within the 24-hour period. And I know the governor is going to have a briefing sometime today, everyone, and that will be uh, the most uh, significant thing when it comes to this. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brian Kemp, um, who's in Georgia, where our guest is from this morning, may may do that he's already closed everything every the stay in place order went out and so everyone is staying in place in georgia at this moment uh we only have a couple of other states that are far from us who are still not complying with stay at home order and we'll get into this with dr karen in just a moment we're going to give you a little brief background about her um everyone and that is um her, her she she used to deliver babies, but now deliver exceptional wellness for women. I'm a board certified member OBGYN, which over 20 years of experience after discovering effective natural treatments for my own health and issues of obesity and chronic fatigue, I became a fellowship trained in natural medicine. This is the type of medical care called fundamental medicine. It identifies and treats the root causes of diseases with natural measures such as lifestyle change supplements and bioidentical hormones. Uh, my treatment process is also holistic as I address not only the physical body, but the energetic body as well. And these are, this is the back, this is the bio of Dr. Karen. Also, she has a book, um, it's called Cracking the Bikini Code, Six Secrets to uh, Permanent Weight Loss and Success. And uh, guys, please check this book out. Uh, we're going to bring her in right now. Dr. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Murray. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Glad to have you on. And uh, I tell you what, uh, what's some news coming from South Carolina, Georgia as well? How do you feel about things as we get ready to start this morning? 
Well, I think that, um, you know, with the current pandemic, that we certainly have reason to be concerned. And that means that we need to take the actions that we can take to protect ourselves, make sure we get proper information and educated about what's going on and what actions we need to take um, and to protect ourselves and others and then have faith um, that we're all going to get through this together if we do what's needed. Um, I don't think there's any reason for panic. I, I see people at the extreme. Some people are panicking with unreasonable fear and then yeah. other people aren't worried at all. And, you know, like the spring breakers on the beach in Florida. Okay. And so we really just need to have some some sane conversation and education around what's going on and what we need to do. So I'm very optimistic. I am too. I'm holding out optimism and also being very prayerful at this moment because this is one of those moments in time where we need to focus on the 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 information coming from the trained medical experts, coming from everyone who's in the middle of this war, um, and those who are are on on the front lines with this, and that would be all of the medical professionals, first responders, and those who are coming in contact with uh, with uh, potentially life-threatening, a life-threatening virus like this. And I tell you, um, watching from a television doesn't really give justice to what's going on on the ground. I know it doesn't. We hear about celebrities. We, we, Chris Cromo comes up automatically. Um, you hear about others who, have, who, have, who are separating themselves in quarantine now, if once diagnosed with the, with the virus. And so it's been very impactful very impactful. What we want to do, we're going to start off with a couple, one of the questions It says, what exactly is COVID-19 virus and what illness does it cause? Uh, Dr. Carey? Right. So it's a, it's a novel virus, a new virus that was discovered in December of 2019 in Wuhan, China, and uh, just was, had infected a few people initially. And it's in a group of viruses called coronaviruses. And they're, it's somewhat related to things like the Ebola and SARS viruses that have caused some smaller epidemics in the past few years. And so it's, it's new to us. So we don't have herd, what we call herd immunity, meaning that enough of us haven't been infected that our immune systems now recognize it and won't become reinfected. Um, so as such, as a global community, we don't have herd immunity. And that means we're all susceptible. Whereas when it comes to the flu, we have a certain degree of herd immuni immunity globally. And then we also have vaccinations so that not all of us, it's not new to all of us. The problem is that when a virus is new, then we're more susceptible. So it causes an illness that initially some people thought uh, it would be like the influenza. But what we've discovered is that it's the influenza is really more of an upper respiratory illness. So it affects the sinus cavities, nasal and oropharyngeal so mouth and throat, and then also gastrointestinal tract and can cause global febrile illness, body aches and chills. This is more of a lower respiratory infection. So it attacks the throat and the bronchi bronchioles that take oxygen down into your lungs and your lungs. And because of that, it's way more serious. It's more um, of an irritant to you to have your upper respiratory passages infected. It causes lots of mucus and irritation. But when the lung encounters a viral insult like this virus is causing, it can potentiate respiratory distress with shortness of breath, bilateral pneumonias, and you can go into acute respiratory failure. And so the whole nature of how it's attacking and what it's attacking is very different and can cause more severe disease. Wow! Wow! I have seen I have seen a 3D model on WebMD of the of the of, of COVID-19, and to see how the model is when you can spin it around and you can see how the virus kind of moves down into the lung area, and it's 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 crowding out the, those spots where you where you where you're trying to take in the air where you're trying to breathe, and I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is, I mean, and it it's very congestive. congestive. Is that is that a effect of like having the flu where you kind of get congested and you can't breathe, and it's and it's one of those things that I was just kind of wondering 
how does how does one um once you kind of have it moved down in the, in the area that's critical like your lungs what is the next what is the next thing that could possibly happen to you well, the thing is that that that's where it has a preference and there's something about the structure of the virus that it actually hooks onto the cells in a very it's real sticky, right? So you know how super glue is way stickier than scotch tape. So it's much more sticky. And so when it gets into the lung tissue, it has a greater affinity to hook onto those cells and it can cause respiratory distress. But I think it's very important for everyone to understand that over 90% of people who are infected with this are gonna have a mild illness they are not going to have shortness of breath. They are not going to have difficulty breathing. They're going to have a mild illness at home as if they had a cold or a mild flu, and they're going to recover fully. So I, I don't like, I think that a lot of the news out there is somewhat inflammatory and, and is scaring people um, yeah. because they're thinking that, oh, if I get this, I'm going to die. And that is not true. And I really want to dispel that. So I don't want to feed any of that kind of fear mongering. I don't think it does well for your psyche or your health because it affects your cortisol stress hormone when you're so fearful and worried. Um, oh, yes. You know, in a, a smaller proportion of cases, less than 10%, there will be some degree of breathing difficulty and people may need assistance with breathing. So because it affects the lower respiratory tract, it's different from the flu. And then it has a couple other differences from the flu that are important. And one is it's what we call infectability. And there's a technical term called r not, and it's represented by R and zero. And what that means is the likelihood that someone who's infected will infect other people. How many people will they infect? So with the flu, on average, one person who's infected will infect one to 1.2 other people. So it's not a huge number, but with this um, COVID-19, it's one to two to three people. So one person who's infected will infect two to three people. And so you can see that the spread is more likely to occur rapidly with this virus. And that's probably due to a few different factors. One is the stickiness of the virus. So mm -hmm. just because you're exposed to it doesn't mean you're going to get sick. So that's something to remember. You could be exposed and not get sick, but because the virus is sticky, it, it's stickier than the flu, you're more likely to. And then also because the asymptomatic shedding period can be longer than with the flu, it can be two to three weeks with this virus. So you may feel fine, not be sick at all. You're going about your daily life and don't think you're sick and then you're infecting people. And wow. with the flu, you usually get sick within a two to three or four days. So you're right. home in bed, isolating from other people with this. The problem is you could feel fine and be walking around and infecting people. And then lastly, its survivability outside of a human source is is pretty great. So it can learn, uh, live on surfaces. They found for up to 17 days. I don't know if you saw about the cruise ship where the gentleman had yeah. the virus and they found it 17 days later. Now on mm -hmm. cardboard, they found that it, it doesn't live more than a day. So some people have worried, well, do I need to worry about packages that I'm getting in the mail? Probably not because it doesn't live very well on cardboard and it doesn't live well on metal. So some surfaces it doesn't live, live well, but some it can live for a long time. And this is the why we have the call for people to really sanitize surfaces so rapidly, but that's or or repeatedly, that's one of the reasons why it's seeming like it has a higher infective rate. My, my, my. Uh, um, Dr. Karen, it says, what measures can people take to prevent the infection or negate the severity of, of the infection? So how, how do, what, what, what are some of the measures that we, we should be taking? I know one is isolation already. So what, what is next after isolation? Well, I want to just emphasize that because I know you're saying it like everybody's doing that. And the truth is people are not doing that. I'm doing it. I'm on day 18. Uh, of my isolation, but there are so many. I have a girlfriend whose office of over 10 people in close-knit quarters is still 
all going to work and and working together and i keep telling her you need to they need to arrange for you to work at home but the people are afraid for their jobs so they don't say to their employer look the president has called for isolation my governor's called for isolation you need to make arrangements for us to work from home and they could work from home and so i'm just going to emphasize that we we we're saying it but there are a lot of people who are not doing it and if you are not doing it you are asking for trouble you really need to get in your house and stay in your house and not interact physically with other people. So they call it social distancing, but really it's physical distancing. Don't social distance, right? Get on FaceTime and talk with your friends right. and family and see their beautiful faces. But right. um, so isolating yourself. And then the next thing is, well, you've got to get supplies. You got to get groceries. You might have to go to the drugstore. So you want to protect yourself when you do have to go out. So there is no recommendation if you are not sick to wear a mask and the little surgical masks that you can um, get are there in shortage now, but they don't protect you. So there's no reason to really use that and you don't need to wear gloves. You do need to stop touching your face because you could touch a surface with it on it and then inoculate yourself. It comes in through vaporization from the lungs. When we exhale, there's a certain amount of fluid in, our, in the air that we exhale and that can contain the virus or there's droplet if we sneeze or cough and have a big drops of fluid that can have the virus and it has to interact with our respiratory surfaces right so our nose our mouth and our eyes is how it comes in it's not going to come in through the skin on your hand but the problem is I forget what the number is how many times an hour we on average we touch our face but it's it you would be surprised at the number of times and so if you're touching surfaces and then you're touching your face you could be inoculating yourself so get do something to remind yourself not to touch your face um and it could be different things for different people you could put a rubber band around your wrist and every time you touch your face switch the rubber band from one wrist to the other and after a while you're going to get tired of moving that rubber band and you're going to remember oh don't touch my face um use hand sanitizer with at least 70 percent alcohol in it um, and if you can't get hand sanitizer because it is backordered in a lot of places, maybe you could get some rubbing alcohol or just plain old drinking alcohol you might have in your house. Um, mm -hmm. But hand washing for at least 20 seconds with a soap um, is just as effective usually as using a hand sanitizer. Um, and, you know, just just beware of what you are bringing into your house and touching um, that could have viral particles on it and uh, clean it with hand sanitizer or a disinfectant. So I did read an article yesterday that there are some people who are recommending washing your fruits and vegetables very thoroughly. Um, the food itself isn't going to transmit it, but if someone has the virus and they touch it, in the supermarket and then you pick it up, it could have it on it and we don't know how long it could live on the outside of an apple. So take your stuff home and wash it. If you have, I have an all natural disinfecting spray, so you could use that. Um, just be very mindful. You know, it's kind of challenging because you can't see it and it doesn't right. leave, leave a color anywhere, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, this is something that I'm used to doing from years of doing surgeries and using what we call an antiseptic technique or sterile technique, where you have to be very mindful of, oh, I touched this, I don't want to get germs on that. And so we're always very mindful about what has touched what, what's sterilized, what's not. And you need to start thinking that way like you're a surgeon. What is what's clean and what's not <laughs> and cleaning oh. whatever you can and even just disinfecting around your house in case something did get tracked in. It's interesting. They did notice when they're testing healthcare workers that are working in the ICUs where people are very sick and there are high viral counts. They did an analysis of where the virus was being found and it was mostly in highest counts being found on their shoes. Wow. So, yes, right? So no, don't, don't they all wear They do, but they were they were checking them and finding that when they would leave these areas, their shoes had 
the highest count. So oh, yeah. that's something to consider. Maybe you want to start taking your shoes off before you enter your home or leave them right. in a front vestibule or something like that. Right. Um, you know, when you think about it, probably uh the more dependent areas because of gravity are going to have whether it's respiratory droplet or dirt you know the what gets dirty is the floor so right. it kind of makes sense that it's going to accumulate there so maybe leave your shoes outside that's not a cdc recommendation but that's something i've started doing um just with the information so oh good 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 housekeeping techniques i think is probably the key to this and it seemed to me, I, I was think I was just thinking to myself, um, most most folks who work in um, in in a medical position or radioactive position, they have clothes where they change where they change clothes from. So why don't they change clothes in a in a clean area and then then depart from the area that that's clean or dirty, so to speak, and not that way you can't track it back and forth like that. So don't 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 we have areas where there's a clean place where you take off all this dirty equipment and then you leave from that area or however? Yeah. So in hospitals, um, in, in, it's interesting in the surgical suites, um, where I used to spend a lot of time cause I did a lot of surgeries. You definitely, you change into hospital mm -hmm. laundry scrubs in a locker room. So you leave your dirty clothes, street clothes in a locker, you change into hospital laundry scrubs in the locker room. And then in the OR suite, it is kept very clean. They have high filtration of the air and special uh, cleansing and disinfecting procedures and all instruments are sterilized. So there's very high um protection for infectious disease now in intensive care units that's not always the case unless they're attending to patients who are immunocompromised so for instance people receiving bone marrow transplants and then they go into these isolation rooms with high filtration and they have lots of protocols where people entering have to put on protective gear to protect the patients it's only in certain situations, for instance, if a patient has tuberculosis or some other highly communicable disease, that they will start protecting the healthcare workers. So mm -hmm. usually it's the patients who are being protected, but then you have to look at protecting the healthcare workers. And I think that what it's looking like to me, and of course I'm not in the ICU, so I don't necessarily have firsthand knowledge of this, but I'm so I'm speculating, is that they didn't really understand the degree of the level of infectivity of this virus, the virulence of it. And right. so they weren't probably, they were just wearing plain masks, like the surgical masks that tie in the back, and they didn't realize how contagious it was. And so this is why a lot of healthcare workers um, were getting ill. And now what I'm understanding that they're doing is they're actually wearing in, in a lot of these ICUs, the, the, the practitioners who are working one-on-one -on -one with patients, completely protective garb where they're almost in like a space suit that's covering yeah. everything. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Right. And now they're realizing that how much they have to protect themselves, that surgical masks are not sufficient, shoe covers and gloves and a hat. That is not going to do it. So they're wearing this complete protective garb and hopefully the outcomes will be way better. Um, there is a recommendation if you are sick and hopefully we'll get to that and we'll talk about how you need to protect yourself from infecting others as well. Yeah, 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 very important. Well, one of the things that I want to do is move into the next question. And it says, if you're sick, to keep from spreading respiratory illness to others, what should you do? All right, great question. So the first thing to know is that if you feel like you are getting any type of illness is to talk to your healthcare practitioner, preferably via telemedicine. So call their office, do not just show up and tell them you think you're getting sick and can you set up in a, a, in a consultation virtually, right? So lots of practitioners, including myself, we are talking with patients virtually 
so that we're not increasing the spread so that you can get an assessment. Actually, if you go to the CDC website, they have a checklist of symptoms that you can um, ask and check your symptoms against. But so for instance, in Georgia and South Carolina, Texas right now, allergy season is upon us. So I've talked to several people who are worried because they've heard about COVID-19, who are having some respiratory symptoms and low-grade fever, and they think, oh my gosh, could I have COVID? And um, you know, you have to remember that other illnesses don't stop because this COVID situation is happening. So it could just be allergies. It could be influenza because it is flu season still. It could just be a cold. It could be a sinus infection. I mean, it could be so many other things besides the COVID. So um, talk to a healthcare practitioner. There, there has been a delay in availability of testing and initially the CDC was gonna do all testing, but they were so behind in getting test kits to different areas. I know we didn't have that capability where I live for a long time, that mm -hmm. they now have independent labs. So Quest, LabCorp, these big labs now have rapid PCR type testing with a, a swab of the, the nose. And um, I, I read now where even Walgreens, I think it has started offering drive up swab testing, rapid testing in some locations. So you'll definitely want to go online. But the recommendation from the CDC is if you're sick, stay home and assume you have it. Right, right. Do, exactly. do not need to be tested. Assume you have it. Do not call 911. Do not go to your doctor's office. Do not go to the emergency room. Over 90% of people will have mild self-limiting illness. Treat it like you would the flu. Take flu and cold medicine, although I would recommend staying away from Motrin Aleve, Advil, Ibuprofen. If you have a fever, just your fever is trying to protect you. It's one of your first lines of defense your, of your immune system. So you don't want to get rid of that fever right? Let right. it do its job. Don't take something to stop your fever, but take symptomat, you know, uh, mucolytics like Bucinex, things to get rid of the mucus, help your cough. The time you need to call 911 or arrange to go to the hospital would be if you are having difficulty breathing. That's okay. when you're going to go to the, you're going to make arrangements to go to the hospital because you may need some respiratory support. That's the only time. But if you're just wondering, and I know a lot of people are really worried right now, and you think, gosh, I could just get in my car, and they do offer the Walgreens drive-through testing in your area, and you yeah. really want to know, you could arrange to do that. But um, just do the drive-through testing. Don't go infecting others. So then you want to stay home. And if you live with others and you think you're sick, you need to isolate from them. And that right. means not sharing their glassware and their plates and their their flatware and not eating off of the same uh, utensils and materials that right. they're eating off of. And then if right. you want you do eat off of them, they need to be kind of sanitized. But, you know, right. it, it can become a very sticky situation because who's going to clean it? And are you gonna go in the area to clean it? And then you're contaminating that area. Or does someone have protective gear in your house that they can wear a mask to get the materials from you? So you're almost better having your own supply of dishes and foods in your room. And I know this poses a huge logistical challenge for everybody, but it's so vital to not intermingle with your family and house members if you think you're infected. Wow. Wow. This is big. This is big. Uh, uh, I just, um, I, I'm trying to remember everything that you're saying because I too have the COVID bulletin from CDC here up in the office. I, 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 when it first came, when it first came out, I printed it out and put it up in the office here for us to, for me and my wife to have it for us to kind of peruse over all the, the needed and wanted information one thing that I've, 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 as I'm listening, I'm thinking to myself, she's in my head with how how we treat each other, especially in a confined space. You know, my wife is working from home. I'm off from work because I'm taking the I'm taking the step of, of 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 self isolating from everybody else, and that's something that I wanted to do. And and, and so it came to me. Well, if we're gonna do this, let's do it the right way. She's she's has to go in at least one day a week. 
I'm here all the time. So she's back and forth. So I'm here all the time. And so we don't have, we don't co-mingle like that because she's going to work from time to time and then she's in the office and then, and then I'm away from the office. So when she's back in the office, then I'm away from the office and mm -hmm. when I'm in the office, she's out of the office. So we kind of, we kind of doing this the right way. One thing that you said something that kind of stuck out in my mind too far as far as how everyone goes goes from street to right into surgery, but you have to go through all the protocols to do that. And you said rec you recommended that most folks leave their shoes outside or in a place where you can leave your shoes outside. I never thought of that. So first thing came to my mind was finding disposable shoe covers. And I don't know where we can find some at this moment with everyone being in this situation. Um, um, Dr. Karen, could you explain to me is some of the things that are happening to us psychologically is just hysteria brought on by the media or is it, are we just, are we just overthinking this thing or should we just continue to do, as you say, follow the protective parameters and make sure we're good? So how do you feel about that? Right. So when when I first learned about the virus, I didn't know much about it. And I thought, oh, it's just another flu. And then when I really started investigating it, I guess this is probably over a month ago now. And I realized that, no, this wasn't just another flu. It was something right. different. Um, and I started reading some of the stories that would pop up on my phone alerts and seeing the pictures and the celebrities. And I really went down a, a panic rabbit hole a couple times. And what I realized is a few things. Just like we need to take care of our physical hygiene, we need to take care of our mental, emotional, and spiritual hygiene right now, very exactly. meticulously. And that means getting factual information from sources you trust, the CDC, your state government, these websites, and information are credible and do not and and I I do not watch TV or TV news because unfortunately the way that information is presented can be in an inflammatory way that increases people's fear and sense of hopelessness and lack of control I don't necessarily think that's responsible but that's their choice because if right. you are afraid, it means you need more information. Our brains are wired such that when our reptilian brain, right, that's the rudimentary part of our brain that deals with fear and survival and sexual drive and instinct, right? Very primitive drives. When it is hooked, and it will be hooked by seeing images of people um, in very precarious health situations, of celebrities that you love um, in situations, of stories with details um, that you may not know these people when, the, when they give certain details, it triggers your reptilian brain, your rational brain, your forebrain, the big part of your brain on the top that makes us human because we have the ability to think above our reptilian brain get, can't, goes offline. And then you can't think and you're in a panic. And that's what happened to me a couple of times. Maybe your listeners, that's happened to them. And I quickly okay. realized that I could not allow my reptilian brain to be hijacked because it takes away from me my ability to be a mature thinking adult and take responsible action. And so no TV, no news, only credible information is what I set a bottom line of. That's all I will entertain. And I'm gonna take the actions I can take. Um, and so that's protecting your mental and emotional well-being. And also remembering that there is a power greater than me and greater than all of us um, that I believe has our best interests at heart. And I can speak to that power and commune with that power and have hope and faith in that power and do what I can as a human being, but allow that power to do what it does. Um, and so you've got to have mental hygiene on board and really make a conscious choice as to what are you going to do to protect yourself? Because if you listen to everybody give their opinion mm -hmm. and you listen to this news program and, and the way that even some articles report the information, if you read it, they'll say, they won't just say there are 
this many, so for instance, in Italy, they have a population of 60 million people. They've had a total of 10,000 deaths um, in the first three months of this year. That is tragic, 10,000 deaths. However, when you put it into context of 60 million people population, and you look at the numbers in their country of how many people die from heart attacks each year, how many people die from cancer each year, how many people die from all of the things that we die from, it really is a very small number. And I'm not saying it's not tragic, so please don't say, think that I'm saying that. Um, but what I'm saying is we have we lose our perspective when our reptilian brain is hijacked. The oh, likelihood is, is that most of us will never get this, never have a problem with it, and never die from it. And keep, we, we'll keep it moving from here. And Folks, we'll keep it moving. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it moving. Folks, we're listening to Dr. Karen. We are on Our Voice, Our Community. I'm the host, Murray Riley Jr. We're on with Dr. Karen Dustin. She is helping us go through the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and we have a ton of questions. She's doing a very good job of answering mine and explaining and telling us we need to have mental hygiene and not watch TV, not watch the news. We need credible information. You're making me feel good, Dr. Karen. You make me feel good. Also, we want to continue with the questions and everyone, uh, what are some of the treatment options for COVID-19? Right. So depending, you know, if you have shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, that's when you go to the hospital and then they will assess you and give you the support that you're needing. Um, They are looking at a variety of antiviral and other treatments to decrease viral replication. They certainly can help support with breathing if needed at whatever level. It just may be supplemental oxygen. It may for some people be mean they need to be intubated and actually breathed for mechanically. Um, And so there's those types of support, but then trying to get rid of the virus and stop it from replicating. And I I saw where they're doing actually a very rapid onset. They've gotten this up and running um, a a controlled trial of looking at some antiviral options, some of which they've used with HIV treatments or with other viruses. They used it previously with SARS and Ebola. So they're, they've got several different arms. They're looking at an anti-malarial treatment um, that has um, quinine in it also, and um, some interferon treatments to help boost immune system and uh, decrease viral replication. So this isn't something that people need to worry about because the healthcare practitioners in the hospitals will be up to speed on what's available and if you do qualify for one of these trials and to receive these medications they will make sure that you get it um and so there there are they are looking at some different options wonderful wonderful we need every option available to us when it comes to this i think as we move forward with this information will be disseminated to us from the surgeon general and those in charge we hoping that they can do this and and give us the information that we can use and when when it's available, then we all can participate in and and getting well. I think uh, the next question is, how does the viral illness compare to influenza and other diseases? Right. So we've talked a little bit about that. So in in compared to the influenza, it is more highly infective. It the the latency between um, infection and symptoms is longer, and it can live longer on surfaces. I think it's important, I just wanna mention Murray, so we talked about treatment options, you know, if you are in the hospital, what they will do for you, but it's important to remember that just because you are what we call inoculated with the virus, maybe meaning you come in contact with someone who has it and they sneeze in your face, right? So you just got a dose of the virus doesn't mean you're going to get sick. And so there are some things that you can do to promote what we call your health resilience. And right now, that's what it's all about. People are home thinking, well, I don't want to get this. How do I prevent myself? So one is preventing from getting inoculated. But next is you want your health to be in the best condition possible so that if you do get inoculated, your body says, "Mm, I'm not I'm not getting this illness and and handles it or that if you do become infected and start exhibiting illness, that it's mild and self-limited, which it will be for over 90% of us. 
And so that involves things like eating a healthy diet, right? Eating lots of healthy, fresh fruits and vegetables in an unprocessed form so that they look as close to how nature, mother nature made them. Um, lots of your green leafy vegetables and, and veggies with your phytonutrients. So these all have vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that your body needs to be as healthy as possible. Avoiding highly processed foods, avoiding, um, and so processed means the farther it looks from how nature made it, that's processed right? So bread is highly processed food. Cereal is highly processed food. Anything that comes in a package on the shelf is highly processed and may contain artificial colorings, flavorings, and chemicals, right? So you don't want those. So eating a mother nature-based diet is huge. Getting enough sleep, Murray, right? So this is something you can do at home, trying to get at least seven hours of sleep, if not eight. That helps your body. When your body sleeps, it restores its cells, it detoxifies, it balances hormones, and it helps your immune system to function at its tip-top shape. So sleep, eating well and sleep, getting lots of water. You want to be drinking at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you want to drink 75 ounces of pure, clean water a day, preferably filtered, right? So it's right. had contaminants removed. You want to be doing that. You want to be getting out in nature. So things are canceled out in groups, but you can go walk in a park. There's a neighborhood near me that has this beautiful lake and I love to go walk around their lake with my dog several times a day and just being in nature and bathing, they call it forest bathing, bathing in the trees and the sun and being around the grass and nature has this healing effect on you. Yeah. And then if you're used to taking a multivitamin or um, nutrient boosting supplements like vitamin C or D and A, those do help, are proven to help your immune system function. Those are helpful if you take any, what we call adrenal adaptogens. So these are herbs that help your adrenal glands, your cortisol stress hormone to function better, which can help your immune system function better. And I just want to say a disclaimer here. I am not saying any of this is going to stop you from getting the coronavirus um, so I just want to make sure that's clear, but these are, these are time tested and studied, um, principles for improving health and improving immune system function. So adrenal adaptogens like ashwagandha, eleuthera, rhodiola, right? A lot of people take those. Those right. are very helpful. Uh, so these are some things that you can do to make sure you as, are as healthy as possible, along with taking care of that mental hygiene that we talked about. Right, exactly, exactly. Very important for everyone to do this. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on that herbal tip myself. Going herbal, I think, is probably most one of the important things that anyone should do right at this moment. I'm drinking a lot of green tea, herbal teas. Um, trying to drink enough water, staying hydrated, um, exercising, not changing the routine, trying to keep the same routine that I normally have during a work week or doing it during the day. Um, I love the fact that you're saying get out and take in nature. That is something that me and my wife are doing all the time. We're trying to, you know, keep moving. And that's a key thing we should should do. I appreciate the fact that we still have the ability to go just that we can't congregate with with 100 people. You still have the ability to go to parks. You just can't be around anyone. And so that, you know, having that opportunity just to walk around and take it in is, is, is a good thing. Mental health is, any, is, is all for me, I think. I don't want to feel trapped. Um, the, right. One thing that's happening, I think, to a lot of people, and, and I'm, I'm trying to stay away from social media too much, too, because hysteria is taking over social media as well. In certain places, not all of social media, but in certain areas, you have hysteria taking place. And I don't want that to happen to myself or to my family members either. But, I, you know, I try to speak plainly to them. I try to keep them calm. Um, there's a lot of God talk now and everybody is on the God tip, which is fine, but some of it's mixed in with hysteria too. 
And we have to be careful with that, I think, because what happens is it pushes folks over the edge and then you have mental breakdown and, and stuff like that. I don't want to I don't want to be a party to it because you're giving into all of that. I think, Dr. Karen, and it happens it happens a lot to people, um, especially in the area which we live in the South, where everyone is religious um, in practice, maybe. And not in practice, but we're in an area where folks think in that manner, not not crashing or raining on anyone's parade, because I'm a believer myself. But we have a moment where there is tons of hysteria, and trying to sort out the hysteria for the for factual information, like what you're giving me, is helping a whole lot. So when I have to repeat what I'm hearing to other folks, it's factual information and not hysteria. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of us because we are enclosed now. We are um, away from our normal routines because of what's going on. I think the hysteria is, tr is starting to set in on a bunch of folks. And I have friends in New York City, God bless, a bunch of them. And I, I speak when I need to speak. I stay away when I need to stay away. And I think it's only because of mental wellness at this moment. And when they need me, I'm there. Uh, I'm not giving in to the, the hist hysteria part of this because it hurts everyone that's involved, I think. And as long as we can stay away from that, I think we're going to be okay. Um, the next question, and I'm going to jump down because we are, we're at the point where we're, we're an hour into this. And I want to jump down and get into the, um, uh, uh, the, the last question is, uh, can a vaccine be developed in a timely manner and that could be effective against coronavirus. Yes, Murray. So they're actually working on a vaccine, but it will probably take 12 to 18 months to actually test it and have it uh, readily available. But really, we should have one within 12 to 18 months. And so then we'll start being able to vaccinate people and get a significant amount of herd immunity. But um, I, I think what's really adding to the hysteria is it's the hysteria means your reptilian brain has been hijacked is what it means. Yeah, exactly. And and then your rational adult human brain goes offline. And so, you know, if you are a faithful person, now is the time to prove it to yourself. Yeah. And I I heard this great quote um Oprah shared the other day from Maya Angelou about hope and fear cannot occupy the same space. In, yes. Invite one to stay. So pick one, are you gonna have fear or are you gonna have hope and faith? Um, and, and this uh, social distancing is what we're doing is our action part of the hope and faith. We're taking the actions to slow the spread so that we all don't get sick at the same time and to protect um, people who are more um, fragile in our community. So it's an act of love um, that we're doing this for each other. And if you're taking those actions and, um, and knowing that scientists are on it, they are on it globally, uh, finding cures, finding preventive measures like vaccines, and you know, look at what they've done with HIV over the past couple decades. It's amazing, right? It is. It is. And now, is. you know, people live, you know, decades with HIV when it was an automatic death sentence. So you right. just have to know that these scientists are on it. They are brilliant and they are diligent and they are working for all of us to find the cures. We just need to do our part and make sure that we keep hope. Deepak said, I heard this, hope is a precious commodity to hold onto in difficult situations. Yeah. And it, it really is. You just have to have the hope and the faith and know we're all going to get through this together. And, um, and we can just each one do our part. Uh, and so we will we will have a vaccine. We will have herd immunity. And it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. And we just need to take one day at a time and do what we can. Oh, awesome. Awesome. This is this is something that that that, that I love to hear is the, the, the positive side of this negative outcome. You have so much negativity with these outcomes by listening to the numbers and, and so forth. But to hear the positive. It's making me feel really good. It's making me 
understand when I share information to those who I come in contact with, friends and family and loved ones and coworkers, that I can really say these things. And it really makes me feel good that I'm getting the information firsthand from a medical professional and not someone who's temporarily medical and not medical, but it's great to hear this. Um, Dr. Karen, I sure do appreciate you stopping by uh, the podcast this morning and sharing with us. Um, um, how can people get in contact with you, um, um, share with you, and you pass on some of this wonderful information that you're passing on us to, uh, to us this morning? Thank you so much for having me, Murray. And I really think it is, it's just a pleasure to talk with people and, and give factual information about the current pandemic and and have just a level of sanity so that people are not in a panic and they know that there's there's plenty of hope um my website kieran dunstan md and it's spelled k-y-r-i-n and then dunstan d-u-n-s-t-o-n-m-g.com i'm working on a download that people will be able to download uh within the next week or so that will give them tips on what they can do for improving their health resilience because like we talked about. It's all about how resilient your health is in this situation. So you want your body to not have a get the illness or not have a severe illness. And so I'm going to have a download that I'll have available in the next week or so um, and some resources for people. And that's how they can find out more. I also have a podcast, Her Brilliant Health Revolution, available on iTunes. I have a new, new episode weekly and I interview usually a health expert on a topic of interest. So you'll want to check that out as well. Awesome. Hey, folks, are you hearing this? Dr. Karen Hans her own podcast, please go to iTunes and check her out. Folks, we're, we're, we're understanding that we're, we have a new slogan, health resilience, health resilience. I'm going to use that, Dr. Karen, okay? Yeah, it's all use. about health resilience. That's what it's all about now. I'm going to use that one. Thank you so much because it's important that we have health resilience in this time. We are in a battle, as, as my pastor can say, we are in a battle for for our for our sanity and having health resilience is one part of the weapons that I will use in this battle. Dr. Karen, we want to thank you for stopping by the podcast this morning, our voice, our community, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. And hey, folks, remember, you can come back and listen to this episode um, on, on TalkShoe. We are all over the place, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. You can find this podcast right here, our voice, our community right on right here. Um, also, we want to thank everyone who has chimed in over the last few days and, and submitted questions to me and also asked questions about when the audio is going to be out. We'll do that as soon as possible. We have the audio out soon. And everyone, we want to, whatever you do, stay together, stay in love. Peace. <laughs>